comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation. What is going on? This is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Trone. I'm coming at you with another Pupcast edition of the show. Uh, You can find myself on really all the social media, but Twitter's the main one, at Aztec Breakdown. Check out the website, AztecBreakdown.com. Like, review, subscribe, follow, all the good things for the show. You know, Austin specifically has been killing it lately, uh, putting out pretty much usually two shows a week. Uh, Him, as well as Carly, who helps him out when neither Kyle nor myself are available so really shout out to both of them for keeping it keeping it running and keeping it uh sounding good and professional the whole the whole time i really wish that that both myself and kyle had had more time to all uh do stuff together and make the schedules work out but this year it's it seems like it's just not in the cards all that much so uh I want to give a shout out to Austin for coming in and, and shouldering so much of that that load here. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the Air Force game a little bit, and then I want to get into just some thoughts I've had about uh, Coach Dutcher and what he needs to have, like his best versions of teams. The Air Force game, we'll start there. It was interesting, I think, to say to say the least uh it it it, the Essex did win obviously by by 10 points uh, and that counts as a quad three win on the road so not really a resume builder uh it did help the metrics in the sense that uh the things that the net looks at specifically are uh your your like your win percentage basically uh so how many games have you won and where did you win them? So winning a game on the road helps that uh, more than winning a game at, at home does. And then the other thing is just your efficiency, right? Very much like like Ken Palm, the net has its own adjusted offensive and defensive efficiencies. And they, you know, adjust them every game to see how you are. So the Aztecs did jump up in the net after the win. I think they moved up one spot in Ken Palm too so you know it doesn't help the resume a whole terribly large amount but it did help the metrics which is good because those are also on the resume so that's that's the good news uh the Aztecs you know it was a very was a very inconsistent game kind of like to certain extents we've been seeing we've been seeing all year right I think the most complete game they've had was probably the game against Nevada at home, right? Because they had they had a good 35, maybe even 36 minutes in that game. Uh, and so that's probably the best when they've had this Air Force game, right? They, they, 
they played well enough to win, for sure. Uh, they started off kind of slow. I think at one point they were down like 9-4 to four early in the first half. But over the last five or six minutes of the second half, they went on a run. And it just kind of, you know, where you want to count the run just depends on where you want to start it. I tweeted out something like over the last six minutes, they had like a 24-7 to seven run or something like that. Right, and, and Ziegler in one of his latest articles put out something like over the last five minutes, it was, you know, something to something like 20, 24 to 6 or whatever it might have been, right? So they went on an absolutely dominant run to end the first half. They end the half uh, up by 15. Up by 15 at the half. And at that point, you're feeling you're feeling pretty good about where the game is. They end up, they come out in the second half and they end up pushing the lead up to 18, which is great. And then Air Force started chipping away and chipping away and dropped the lead at some points late in the second half down to five or six. And that's not what you want to see because, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one sitting there thinking, not this again, not this again, you know. And so it's it's just feeding into that that confirmation bias and feeding into those fears of like that the team can't close right so once again maybe not the fullest maybe not the fullest of games now there is some context that there that we should put in there for one air force just like uh wyoming is seven thousand feet in the air and i had uh uh, uh, a family member of a player telling me that the players were saying that the way they were feeling the elevation was even worse than the Wyoming game. Like it was harder on their bodies. Now, I don't know, you know, what's to that because it, it's technically not as high as Wyoming, but it's in the same, you know, area. So definitely believable that it could be the same. There could also be something about playing two games at elevation in a row. Because the game against Colorado State was also 5,000-something feet in the air. So, could be playing two games in elevation in a row. It, you know, that's why uh, Coach Dutcher likes that they, the Mountain West doesn't do the whole travel partner thing anymore. Right? And teams can, can fly home in between games. And the Aztecs did that. That way to try and minimize the effects of elevation. But it's possible that even though it was minimized, it wasn't eliminated. Right, And so it's possible they were feeling the effects of playing a game and then a couple days later playing another game there at Elevation. <coughs> so that is something to consider. The other thing to consider, which is actually a good thing, is that, you know, they were down to, to five or, you know, six point lead and uh, Air Force started fouling. And this is where you're thinking, man, like the team... To a certain extent, at least the perception is that they haven't been good in crunch time with with free throws, right? I think that's something we all kind of worry about. And uh, they went up and they made they made all of them. They made all of them. And so I think it was just I think it was just four in the closing minutes, but still they hit them. I think it was like Parrish hit two, and maybe it was Tramel hit the other two. But regardless. They hit all of them, and that's how they finished up with a 10-point lead, right? So they actually 
were able to extend their lead using the free throws and the defense in the final minutes there. And, like, if there was a time that you'd be expected to miss free throws late in game, right, you have you have all the same clutch implications as normal, but also now you're gassed. And so I was expecting free throws to be missed short, right? I understand they're free and there's no... There's no defense, but that, that doesn't mean your your exhaustion level is the same every time, right? And so I was expecting them to be to be missed short, and they weren't, right? They made all all four, so that was that was very encouraging to do that. Uh, overall, it was a solid game. the The offensive ratings at Kempom jumped back up into the top fifty. And so that's going to be important as we talk about our next subject here. But it's it's good to know that the offense, like from a more objective point of view, has actually been pretty good. And I know that I sometimes talk about ways to make the offense better. And I even put out a put out an article saying Keyshaw Johnson should be used a little bit differently, right? And it didn't seem like super radical changes to me because it was all all the stuff I was proposing is stuff that they have either done this year or done in the past before. And it's just a matter of like doing it more for the most part. Uh, so it didn't seem super radical to me, but obviously at the same time, I, I always like to point out that for, for really all of us, no matter how smart we think we are, this coaching staff has forgotten more about basketball than we'll probably ever know. And that, that goes for me as well. Right, the difference that I have with the coaches is that, like, I get to explain the thought process and explain the reasoning of stuff, and their reasoning is like, look at the scoreboard, which has been, which has been good overall. So we got to keep that in mind. But you know, they're they're not going to do the stuff with Kashad, and and one could argue that they have a top fifty offense, so they don't they don't need to potentially. Uh, that could be something worth looking into. Uh, their defense is currently, when I checked, it was ranked 28th. 28th. So, you know, I guess, I guess to put that number in context, it's still also, it, it's going to be being pulled down slightly or pull, pulled up, pulled closer to, to elite by last year's numbers. But we are also into January, so that pull isn't super strong. Uh same thing with the offensive numbers. It's going to be being pulled down more to average, but we are into January, so the pull isn't super strong by this point. Uh, 28th is the worst, not the worst defense of the Dutcher era. It's, uh, I think it's right in the middle of his six years, but it is the worst of the past four seasons. So 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, it's the worst of those four. The 2021 season, where Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle were seniors, that defense finished the year uh, 21st in the nation. And realistically, they were probably even higher before that game against Syracuse, where Syracuse just couldn't miss a three-point shot. So, you know, that's that's the next worst over that over that four-year span of, like, since since the days of Malachi Flynn, right? A- after Malachi Flynn, common era. Uh, it's It's been the worst since then. The big issue has been 
the the like defense around the rim and around the paint for some reason teams are just having their way in the painted area uh i you know i would love to take some time and and try and look at it and see what might be going on see what i can find uh, i'm not gonna have time for that right now though sadly but maybe at some point regardless there's that so you know air force scoring 60 points when you first like when i first like they only scored 60 that's good defense but there was only 60 possessions uh there was a lot of back cutting and missed assignments especially in the second half right air force only scored like 24 points in the first half so the defense was killing it the first half once again they had that great run but the second half air force got 36 and i think that just indicates even more so to us that that to a certain extent elevation played a part in that right and just the fatigue and the coach dutcher always talks about how it's not it's not so much that your hands are on your knees gasping for air it's more so that you're just a step slow on things so i do think we need to take that into consideration it doesn't make it doesn't make the defense like not necessarily a concern right i've kind of gone back and forth this year like early in the year i was like the offense is fine the defense is a concern and then they had a couple game stretch where I was like, great, the defense is back, fantastic. And now I'm kind of back to the defense is starting to become a concern again. So there is that to look out for. We got a relatively easy stretch coming up, just in the sense that it's two home games. We got Utah State at home and then San Jose State at home. Uh, so to whatever extent there are easy stretches in the schedule, this is this is it. Uh, Utah State is a quad two game at home right now. They are elite offensively. Steven Ashworth, I have compared to Jimmer Fredette this year, not in the sense that he's, you know, scoring 30 points a game and also getting six assists and should be national player of the year, not in that sense, but in the sense that he has been so elite offensively that he's been one of the best players in the league despite his defense being average at best in that sense he has been like like Jimmer Fredette because all the other all the other top top players pretty much have to be at least good at both ends and then that that adds up and Stephen Ashworth is currently according to the composite metric the second best player in the league in the conference and his defense isn't isn't good. It's it's average at best, like I said. So it just shows how good he has been offensively. So you got that. They also have Taylor Funk out there, who is like the stretch four of any coach that wants to play four house dreams, right? He's a fantastic three-point shooter. He does other stuff as well, but his three-point shooting is his main attribute, and he is very good at it. He has limitless range uh so won't be an easy game hopefully the aztec defense can help neutralize them a little bit and then utah state's lack of defense will let the aztec's offense keep up and get ahead hopefully right that's that's the hope they have to go out and execute but they will be at home so that's good and then san jose state at home and san jose state is no slouch either 
they almost just beat Utah State on Saturday. Uh, they were leading for most of the game. I think Utah State won by just one point. And they have been much improved, right? This isn't the Utah State that we're used to being in the 300s in Ken Palm. They're like, they're an average to slightly above average team, uh, but you can't take those lightly, right? So it'll be another game where it's like it's a quad three win, but like the Air Force game, you want to win to help your record and your win percentage. And hopefully you can also get a win by a substantial margin to help the numbers. Uh, but ultimately the big thing is just get the win. So those are the next two games. Let's, you know, we were just talking about Taylor Funk being this ultimate stretch four. That's going to be a pretty good transition into the next thing I want to talk about. So I have said multiple times, both in writing as well as in like in, in the show, that I have been of the opinion that the thing Brian Dutcher needs the most to succeed, at least offensively, is like a great point guard basically right and so and 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 ideally realistically even multiple great point guards multiple guys that can handle the ball that can read the defense that can shoot from the perimeter that can drive to the hoop that can that can facilitate and make place for others these are all things that I've been of the opinion that Dutcher needs. And I've said, like, he needs, realistically, he needs three of them. And those have been his best teams. And I would point, like, to the 2020 season, especially. They have Malachi Flynn. They have KJ Fagan. They have Trey Pulliam, even, to a certain extent, right? They don't all need to be elite. You need at least one elite guy and then some other guys that can fill in as well. So there's there's that. And... I'm not completely coming off of that, but I do think to fully unleash the Dutcher and what him and his staff can do offensively, there might be one other, one other piece of the equation that is super, super valuable. And that is uh, a, a stretch four type of type of player right maybe even a stretch five we haven't really seen much of that during Dutcher's tenure so it's hard to say to what extent a stretch five might help but I think a stretch four is is pretty key and so the evidence we have to look at that right if you look at the two the two best teams and especially offensively the two best teams I think were the years 2020 and 2021 so it was the year the, the, that the tournament was canceled by the pandemic and then it was the following year where we were still kind of dealing with the pandemic in terms of the sport but but guys were playing right they were playing in empty gyms and so 2020 they have they have that elite point guard in Malachi Flynn so that's great uh, they also have Fagan. They also have Pulliam, right? And and really going off on a tangent here, that team was just stacked. I was just thinking about it the other day, right? You got Malachi Flynn is is playing in the NBA. He's kind of like a bench player. He doesn't get the most minutes, but he's there in the NBA. Jordan Shackles on that team. He's in the G League. Uh, 
Matt Mitchell is playing out in France. Yanni Wetzel is playing somewhere. I lost track of where he was, but he's also playing professionally, right? And that's four of the of the starting five players. I don't know. I don't think I don't think KJ's playing professionally anywhere, but I could be wrong. But it's four of the starting five, and then that doesn't even count guys like Nathan Mensa, who will probably play professionally somewhere. Probably not the NBA, but somewhere he'll probably play, right? Uh, Adam Seiko, same thing. Like, he has played international ball before, international competition, and he's been really good at it too, right? Like, Adam Seiko, for us, is just like this, this 3 and D guard but when he was over in Africa it was like he's the one of the best players on the team so you know like those are guys that are still with the Aztecs a rope maybe could also play professionally overseas somewhere so like there's just a lot of pros on that team and I was just thinking about that the other day uh regardless getting back on topic 2020 had that elite point guard and they were they were a really good team even when it was when it was Yanni and Mensa playing together, right? Yanni isn't really a stretch four. He showed some ability to hit the three, but he only took like one a game, if that, right? He was he was more so like a more a more classical four man and then ended up being a really good really good five man in, in Dutcher's system. But you know, they were they were good at first. And then offensively, at least, they got even better after Nathan Mensa went down, which makes sense. Nathan Mensa isn't the best kind of offensive player. Uh, and, and, you know, what they did was they replaced him with, with Matt Mitchell there at the floor. And Matt Mitchell is a skilled, skilled power forward right and he could he could he wasn't just a stretch four he could do all sorts of other stuff too but he could he could shoot the ball from 3 he could handle the ball maybe even more than a stretch four just a skilled power forward maybe even right he could he could do all these things and he was a really good player and i i would say he's probably in my top 10 like Aztecs of all time honestly uh he was just really good and so like those two players, Malachi Flynn and Matt Mitchell, were the top two on the team, right? And then the next year, they don't have Malachi Flynn. Oh, whoa. I almost just slipped and died, but we're okay. I'm not going to re-record because, because we're too deep in. But the next year, we have Malachi Flynn is gone. But Matt Mitchell is still on the team. It's, it's Mitchell's team now, right? He's not the second option anymore. He's the first option, or at least tied for the first option. And he's still playing that stretch four role, right? And, I mean, realistically, both of those teams also had Jordan Shackle, too. And that shouldn't be ignored, because when you have a shooter like that, it can open up pretty much everything else, right? Or at least help to open up everything else. So that can't be ignored either. That might have something to do with it, too or definitely has something to do with it, I should say. But I don't know if it's more important than this skilled power forward because 2021 is probably the next best team, right, overall that the Aztecs have had. And who did you have at point guard? Well, you had Trey Pulliam, 
you know, Trey Pulliam still, right? Who solid, solid point guard and was very good defensively that year. I remember being concerned after 2020 about his defense, but he stepped it up big time defensively. So that was great. Uh, but not the best offensive point guard. If we're, if we're being honest, right. I, I'm not trying to hate on the guy, but he wasn't a great point guard. He was, he was, I think he was kind of carried by the talent of the players around him. I think that's fair to say, uh, he would be a great backup point guard, but starter on a good team is, is kind of rough. So you, you know, the, the, the good point guard aspect is gone. You also have Terrell Gomez, who had his own struggles, right? It's hard to be a good defender when you're 5'8". When you're That's just a fact. And he, he got his nose in there, and he, you know, put in the effort, absolutely. But it, it's hard to do. Um, he also wasn't the best facilitator at San Diego State, right? He could shoot the ball very well right he shot a fantastic percentage as he's always done but he's not the full package that coach Dutcher needs so we have this team there that that uh doesn't quite doesn't quite fit that that bill of, of the point guard but it's still one of the best teams and I think having a skilled forward in the mold of a Matt Mitchell really really help that and especially I think the shooting might be the most important part although it's definitely not the only part because uh that's that's Matt Mitchell's team right and having that type of skilled forward can give you so many give you so many mismatches and give you so many opportunities to just space out the defense and do all sorts of of great things offensively so all that to say, I think this skilled type of stretch forward is super important in Dutcher's system, right? Compare that to last year. Matt Mitchell's gone. Kashad Johnson is starting. Uh, Trey Pulliam is still the point guard. We do have Matt Bradley, but the offense, the offense isn't good, right? And and once again, we do got to throw Jordan Shacklin there, but. The offense isn't good. It's 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 an average offense nationally last year, right? I I there, there there seems to be a correlation. You got this year, the point guard play has been better. Still don't really have that skilled stretch forward there. It's still Kashad Johnson, who's still maybe a little bit better than last year, but essentially still the same guy. And so you know, maybe that's evidence against the skilled forward part. The only other evidence I could bring up would be Dutch's first two years, right? The first year he has Devin Watson, he has Jeremy Hemsley, he has Trey Kell, all his guards that can handle the ball and be pretty solid. Uh, the offense was, was decent that year, right? It was above average for sure. So there's the point guard thing. The other thing that they had was they had Malik Pope as a big who could stretch the floor. Now, towards the end of the season, they moved Cam Rooks off the bench, moving towards the middle of the season. They moved Cam Rooks from the starting lineup to off the bench, and they played Jalen McDaniels more. And he wasn't a stretch big, but they still had Malik Pope, and he was playing center, but he could do some of that skilled stuff, some of that stretch stuff. So 
something something to consider there, right? 2019, they they had Devin Watson and Jeremy Hemsley, but not three guards, just the two. Neither of them really, neither of them really the full package. Both solid players for sure, but neither of them at that elite level of of doing everything. And uh, no more no more stretch four because. Jalen McDaniels wasn't a stretch four. He was kind of skilled, but not a stretch four. Uh, Nathan Mensah started most of the games as a freshman center, and he didn't fit that bill. So, I don't know. Something to consider. I think it makes me very excited about the potential, the potential of Elijah Saunders. And we haven't seen a lot of it yet this year, but he seems like a guy who has some skill offensively. Not not Matt Mitchell level of skill, but he can shoot the ball. He can, to a certain extent, put the ball on the floor. He can score inside. So he might be the type of four that a coach like Coach Dutcher needs to really unlock the offense, hopefully. And I think that's something to look for specifically as the years go on from now to look for one is this skilled power forward type of guy just as if not maybe even more important than this elite point guard in Dutcher's system and also are they are they recruiting those guys right so they got Elijah Saunders that's great they got Miles Heidi high school senior coming in next year I don't know to what extent he's one of those skilled guys though he's a guy he's been scoring a lot and he's been getting a lot of rebounds at the high school level and that's great the articles that like Ziegler writes say he's been adding to his game and he very well may, may be. Uh, but when you look up the stats on him, it doesn't, doesn't show that just yet. So we will, we will see, but hopefully next year and into the future, Elijah Saunders can be good and we can get more of these skilled forwards to do this type of stuff. Anyways, Thank you for listening, Aztec Nation. That was the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. We will catch you next time.